This is Pod Populi, podcast for the people. Hi, my name is Dr. Sarah Adams. I am a board-certified pediatrician, but I'm not your pediatrician. Feel free to use my podcast as helpful information, but in no way do I intend my podcast to replace the advice of your physician. Your physician knows you and is in the best position to provide medical advice. Hello, and welcome to Growing Up with Dr. Sarah. You know, this time of year, kids are outside more, right? And so are the creepy crawlies or bugs as we know. And so I thought I would talk today about insect bites and insect stings. And we're going to talk about, you know, kind of how to identify what the bite is, because a lot of times it's like, is this a bite? Is it not a bite? And what we can do to prevent it and how to treat it. And then I'm also going to bring up a little bit of information about ticks because that's something that, of course, I get lots of questions about in my office. And so if you have some questions, hopefully I can answer those just by listening. Well, I hope everybody's having a good summer so far, and we really want to make sure that it stays that way because insect bites, although very rarely cause any kind or even stings cause any kind of major problems, they're still annoying, right? They're itchy, they can be painful and makes kids irritable, it makes us irritable, and then we start to worry about what we need to watch for. So I want to start by just saying, what's the difference between a bite and a sting? So an insect bite is when an insect actually bites with its mouth um, into the skin. And those tend to be super itchy, you know, and those are things like, you know, mosquitoes, fleas, etc. And then there's insect stings, which are... When an insect actually pokes the skin or pierces the skin with a stinger like a bee, and then they inject the venom, and those tend to be more painful. So those are the difference between a bite and a sting. But how do we identify bug bites and stings? Because many insects and spiders have painful bites that result in redness and swollen spots, but what about the more common bug bites? And a lot of the information I'm giving you today comes from a website that literally is children's.com. And it is um, information through, it's called Children's Health. And so if you would like more information, I highly recommend checking them out. So bees, let's talk about bees. So a lot of times bee stings can cause immediate swelling, redness and pain. And you can notice that a stinger or an indentation in the middle of the swelling. Bees are commonly found near flowers, shrubs, picnic areas and beaches. So that's one of the ways that you can tell this isn't a bee sting. What about fire ants? Fire ants bite and it immediately burns and causes pain. You may even notice like a cloudy fluid around the swollen area. And if your child has a dozen fire ant bites, they may need to see the doctor. So you want to watch for fire ants in pastures, meadows, lawns, and parks. 
now the dreaded mosquito bites. They might not cause immediate problems, but they could become red, swollen, and itchy later. Mosquitoes are generally found near water and are attracted to bright colors and scents. Spiders. You may not notice spider bites at first. However, if your child experiences kind of like a painful red area, it could be filled with fluid or surrounded by like red or a purple ring, kind of like a target, they really should see the physician, their physician about this bite. Ticks are often attached to the area they have bitten and they could be hidden under things you know, hair or area, different areas of the skin. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about ticks. But the most important thing is that when you remove ticks, that you grasp it by the head and slowly pull it off your child. Keep ticks in case we need to take a look at it, because sometimes different types of ticks, especially adult ticks, are the ones that tend to cause more disease. So I always recommend keeping the ticks, and I'll talk a little bit more about that later, like I mentioned. If your child has spent any time in a wooded or grassy area, you should be checking their whole body for ticks every time they come inside. Wasps. Wasp-like bees may have the stinger indentation, like I mentioned, and their stings also cause an immediate pain and swelling. So bees, wasps, like I mentioned, commonly found around flowers, shrubs, picnic areas, and beaches. I remember my brother, he stepped on a nest that was actually under our mulch. Oh my goodness, I'll never forget it. It was terrible. Honeybees and wasps are most likely the two types to actually cause the most painful stings. However, they're also the most likely to cause a a severe allergic reaction. And so you want to try to be aware, if you can, what type of, you know, if it's a honeybee or a wasp and so on, um, is biting the child. But remember, those things are rare, but it is important to know. Well, before I get into like what to watch for, for like a severe allergic reaction or even how to treat, I'm all about prevention. So I I really want to talk about prevention. And again, this is a very common question I get in my pediatric office. So one of the most important things, especially mosquitoes, because those are probably the most common that we see is to get rid of any water-filled area. So mosquitoes really like that water, especially during hot weather. So that could be, you know, still pools. It could be ponds. I remember we used to have a an old tire swing. I don't even know if people do that anymore, but a tire swing, you know, if it rains, you get some standing water and also even bird baths, things like that. So you really want to stay away from those areas. Buckets too. I forgot to mention buckets. You want to try to stay inside when the mosquitoes are most active and that's usually dawn and dusk. And you want to also be aware of those areas that I mentioned when I talked about the different types of bees and wasps, etc., and where they like to, to nest. You want to apply insect repellent to children before they go out. And I recommend applying the insect repellent either, well, 
not either, on their clothes, but also on the skin that is, you know, that is exposed. Do not put insect repellent on and then put clothes on top of that. Talking about clothes, you want to avoid bright colors because mosquitoes like bright colors and they also like scents. So like different scented soaps, perfumes, lotions, really important, especially in the summer to just avoid those products. Wear shoes. So I've only been stung by a bee a couple times, thankfully. And one of those times was I remember as a little girl, I was walking through a meadow and I stepped right on a bee because I didn't have shoes on. Also, covering arms and legs as much as possible is um, is very important. Now, to avoid ticks, if let's say you're going trail walking, and I would recommend, you know, stay in the center of the trails, avoid woody areas with high grass. That tends to be, you know, where the ticks like to be. And as I mentioned, check kids for ticks every few hours and as soon as you come inside and remove any of them right away. I really do not recommend, I'm going to talk about how to remove a tick, but you don't want to like, you know, put something on it. I remember there was some like old remedies where you want to smother it. But the problem is the longer the tick stays on, the greater the likelihood for disease, skin infection, or any kind of reaction. So again, Back to checking for ticks. You want to make sure that you're checking all areas of their skin, especially behind the ears, the back of the neck, the scalp, in the armpits, behind the knees, in the groin. Have kids shower as soon as they come in from outdoors. That helps too. And check your pets when they come inside too, because pets can get ticks as well. And I know our little buck used to get ticks like and they would be right inside his floppy ears so check your pets for ticks and i recommend um treating your your pets as well for ticks now i'm not a veterinarian so please check with your veterinarian exactly what's the best type of treatment for your animal but i do recommend that and that will help also for your family now let's say you are going to be in a wooded area you want to tuck the clothes in and you know keep as much skin covered. So what I mean by tuck clothes in, so like tuck the shirt in, if you can tuck the pants in some sort of sock or boot, you know, if you're hiking, for example, those are ways because they, they tend to, you know, it, it, if you, if you're wearing shoes and socks and, you know, the, the right kind of shoes when you're on the grass, even if it's just for a minute, it's so important that you do what you can in order to to prevent those bites. Even bees and wasps can sting unprotected feet, like I mentioned, and they can get up inside shirts and pants and, you know, all kinds of areas. So I I do recommend that as well. Now let's talk for a minute about insect repellent. Okay. So fun fact, and that is that DEET which is commonly found in insect repellent, has different percentages. And what those percentages actually mean is, yeah, it's a strength. So don't get me wrong. It, it is it is stronger, the higher percentage that you have. But what it also means is the higher the percentage, the longer it lasts. And so 
in general, I like to tell families to use 10% or less and never use insect repellent on babies under two months of age. And if you're applying it to the face, for example, you want to basically put it like you're not going to put it directly on their face. It's best to just put it on your fingers and, you know, just very gently um, put any type of insect repellent on the face and avoid arms, especially or not arms, sorry, (laughs) Um, hands, which again is like an exposed area. But kids, you know, especially infants and toddlers, what do they do? They put their hands and their fingers in their mouth. So really the Um, Moral of the story is, you know, when if you you have young children, you really want to make sure that you're not out when you know the insects are worse and you want to make sure that you protect them by covering as much as as you possibly can. And for infants, too, I recommend those like nets. You've probably seen those, especially for infants under two months of age. But if you can avoid using any kind of insect repellent even under six months of age, I, I think that's a very good idea. And, I, and with infants, I I actually would recommend using products that don't have DEET at all unless it's just absolutely necessary. I love gardening with kids. I think it's so fun. You've probably heard me mention this in other podcasts about, you know, if you garden and they grow the fruits and vegetables, they're going to be more excited about eating it, etc. But wearing gloves when you garden is also a way to protect yourself from getting any bites and stings. And don't disturb bees or wasps' nests ant mounds, beehives, teach kids what they look like. You know, you can look, you know, show them pictures and teach them to basically stay away and don't swat buzzing insects because they're going to sting or bite if they feel threatened in any way. Be aware that spiders might hide under undisturbed piles of wood, um, sometimes like open boxes, corners behind furniture and proceed with caution for sure. And as far as fleas, well, probably the best way to prevent flea infestation is treating your home like carpets, furniture, and pets regularly, especially during warm months and vacuum as often as you can. You can also take steps to reduce the number of insects in your yard by treating for wasps, spiders, mosquitoes. And you want to research the different types of treatments and make sure that they are safe for kids as well as pets if you have them. So unfortunately, you get a sting or you get a bite and it's itchy and kids you know, don't like it. And it's a little bit scary. And it's a little scary as parents too, because we get concerned, could there be an allergic reaction? Well, you need to absolutely call 911 if you notice the following signs or symptoms. If all of a sudden they get sudden hives, if there's swelling of the face, specifically swelling of the tongue, lips, or around the eyes, if they feel dizzy, if they're faint, if they're having difficulty breathing or seem confused, cough, um, headache, even slurred speech, trouble swallowing, vomiting, or wheezing. Those are all signs to watch for for an, a severe allergic reaction, and you want to call 911. 
Now, when should you actually call your doctor? So if your child has been bitten or stung near the mouth, if there's any sign of infection, such as redness or swelling that goes beyond what a normal bite would look like, certainly if they develop some sort of rash, if there's fatigue, if there's fever, and this could be within the few days of getting the bite or sting or weeks from after that, which sometimes we get concerned about Lyme disease, for example. And that's where I want to mention, you know, certain mosquitoes and ticks, they can transmit diseases, some things like West Nile, as you remember Zika, and of course, Lyme disease. Now, you remember when I described the like bee or, you know, yellow jacket or so on. So sting and how it can have that little center area where the stinger can be. You want to remove that stinger. And the best way to do it is actually with a flat surface, like a credit card, for example. You don't want to squeeze it because if you squeeze it, guess what? The venom just goes inside. Once you have noticed that they have a bite, especially if the skin is broken open or you've taken a a tick off or you've taken the stinger out, you want to make sure that you wash it well with just mild soap and water. You can put on a little bit of uh, antibiotic ointment. You can put a little ice on it and you can alternate that like 10 minutes of ice on, 10 minutes of ice off, back on, etc. Just repeat it. And also, if it's like, let's say it's on their arm or their leg and, you know, they're a pain, it's you're starting to see a little bit of swelling elevating the arms or legs will help. Of course, you can use a pain reliever and a histamine, but I always recommend make sure you check with your pediatrician or your doctor to to make sure the appropriate dose and the appropriate type of medicine to give your child. Because remember, children aren't little adults, so you don't want to look at it and go, hmm, well, this is what the adult dose is, or this is what the six-year-old dose is. My kid's three, so I'll just cut it in half. Absolutely not, okay? It's just call. They will be more than happy to give you the dose and guide you on how much and how often to give those medications. You know, the old um, saying about baking soda and water, still a good idea. And then there's other topical things like calamine lotion or anti-itch type of um, um, creams and lotions that you can put also on. But be careful because sometimes those over-the-counter, other than calamine, calamine's pretty, you know, mild. But you just want to make sure that it's uh, okay for the little skin and um, because it can sometimes cause some irritation. Now, I know I freak out about ticks. And so I every year about this time of year, I go on the CDC, which is the Center for Disease Control website, and I go over and over everything about, you know, what to watch for, when to worry, etc. And so Taking a tick out, I'm going to, I'm going to break it down for you. So you want to use a clean, fine tip tweezer and you want to grasp the tick as close to the skin surface as possible. I've even heard people say you almost even want to pull, like get some of that skin because what you don't want to do is pop the head off and leave the head in the skin. 
I know that's such a great visual right now. <laughs> Pull upward with a steady and even pressure and don't twist or jerk the, the tick because we, again, like I mentioned, we don't want mouth parts to break off and remain in the skin. And if this happens, you can just take the tweezers again and remove the mouth parts. And if you can't remove the mouth easily with tweezers, leave it alone and let the skin heal as best you can. Call your pediatrician. They will be happy to help and assist in any way. After removing the tick thoroughly, clean the bite area and wash hands with rubbing alcohols or soap and water. Never crush a tick with your fingers. Dispose of a live tick by either putting it in alcohol or rubbing alcohol, placing it in a sealed bag or container, wrapping it tightly in tape, or flushing it down the toilet. Now, let's say your child has gotten a tick, or maybe you have. Um, if you develop a rash or fever within several weeks of removing the tip, tick, you need to see your doctor. You want to tell your doctor about the recent tick bite, when it occurred, how long the tick, how long you think the tick may have been on the body and most likely where you acquired the tick. All those things help make the decision of whether or not uh, your you or your any member of your family is going to need treatment or prevention even. The most common symptoms of tick-related illness include like fever and chills, aches and pains, and rash. Those are the most common. Tick-borne diseases can cause things like the fever, headaches, fatigue, muscle aches, and people with Lyme disease may also have joint pain. But there's other things, too, that can cause rash. I mean, Lyme disease, as I mentioned, there's also something called Southern Tick-Associated Rash Illness, Rocky Mountain Spotted Fever, and more. And But they each kind of have a distinct rash, so that's why it's important to go and see your doctor or your pediatrician so that you can go over this. Now, again, like I mentioned, what helps us decide a plan for treatment has a lot to do with what the symptoms are, the geographic area you were bitten, and sometimes even some docs will do lab tests. Now, one might question, well, what are the benefits of actually preventing, you know, giving an antibiotic, for example, preventatively? Well, we know when we're treating a tick-borne illness, we typically use doxycycline for children that are over that over eight years old. And under eight, we would use amoxicillin, for example. But what we want to look at and what makes it most concerning about whether or not to preventatively treat has to do with, number one, the attached tick. Can it be identified? So that's why I said, if you do find a tick, save it and, you know, like put it in a bag because we can look that up and we can try to find out, you know, if especially if it's an adult tick. If the estimated time of attachment is 36 hours based on, um, which can be based on a couple things. One is based on like the tick engorgement with blood or the likely time period. So for example, if you 
bathed your child last night and then you guys were out in the woods and then you didn't see the tick until the following day, if you feel pretty confident that when you bathed your child at the time that you remember that, you know, there was no ticks when I did that, then you can kind of get an estimate of how long this tick could have been, um, could have could it be attached? And so 36 hours is the kind of the benchmark. So over 36 hours, there's greater likelihood of uh, infection or illness. So this is why it's so important that every time your child comes in, whether you're in a wooded or high grassy area or not, just check. Just check for those ticks, as I, as I mentioned, and check often. What is important, though, is if preventative medicine or prophylaxis is decided, we really want to try to start it within 72 hours of the tick removal. And also, I would recommend looking up on the CDC website where Lyme disease is most um, prevalent because there's certain counties within states and definitely um, states where tick bites are more likely to occur and more likely to transmit disease. I mentioned DEET as as a very safe and uh, effective way to prevent uh, insect bites. And what is important about DEET is the U.S. Environmental Protection agency actually regulates this, which is really important. So if you're looking for alternative types of insect repellent, you want to make sure that it's EPA approved. So we know that it's safe and and effective. And I mentioned, and I'm going to mention it again, the concentration of DEET in a product indicates actually how long the product will be effective. But I really think that you want to you know, try to stick around 10% deed because that'll probably protect them for a couple hours, like two hours, for example. There is no more added protection to use more than a product such as like 50% deed. So less or more is not more. Actually putting it on children once, that's pretty much all you need to do. And you just want to realize, again, that you've got a couple hour window to do your fun activities, for example. I also do not recommend using any type of sunscreen and insect repellent combo because those tend to cause a lot of skin irritations and rash. So when you're applying, again, the do's and the don'ts. So the do's, choose a product that's in the form of a stick, a lotion, or unpressurized spray. I do not recommend, and I want you to avoid sprays that are in pressurized containers because then you're more likely to inhale the product or get it into your eyes. Very important to read the label, follow all the directions and precautions, and that's why it is safe for infants. Like it's not safe for infants if you do not use the right product, the right amount in the right areas, just as it's produced and regulated for its use. Only apply the insect repellent to the outside of your child's clothing and on exposed skin and use just enough to cover the area. Again, more is not more. If you 
are going to to use it on the face, like I mentioned, put it on your hands first and then very lightly put it um, on the face, avoiding the mouth and the eyes. And I don't think I need to mention it, but I will. Don't use insect or spray repellents in open areas, um, especially like if they have a cut or a wound and certainly don't you want to avoid breathing it in. The other really important do is help young children do it. Don't give them, you know, the spray or the lotion or whatever and and expect them to know exactly how to do it. And supervise older children when they're using these products. Wash your hands, wash the children's hands with soap and water to remove any repellent when they do come back inside and wash their clothes that you've sprayed before they wear it again. And definitely keep it out of reach of young children to uh, reduce the risk of unintentional swallowing. Never apply the insect repellent to children under two months of age, as I mentioned. And what you want to do is use one of those like mosquito netting over baby carriers or strollers um, in areas where your baby may become exposed to um, insect bites. One other thing I want to mention Um, as a don't is avoid repellent candles because it can be harmful inhaled if they're breathing in those fumes. And again, don't spray it directly on their face, uh, not in cuts and wounds, as I mentioned, and don't use the combo DEET with sunscreen. I'm going to mention just a uh, just a little bit about natural insect repellents. Um, those are things that might include like citronella or geranium, peppermint, soybean oil, and um, they are deemed safe, but they have not been approved for effectiveness by the EPA. And you want to make sure that most of these products, you know, do not cause any type of skin irritation. The other thing to stay away from in regards to kids are the wristbands because those are soaked in chemicals or ultrasounds because that that are designed to keep bugs away because again they're either ineffective or they could be toxic. So in conclusion, I just want to say some of this stuff, yeah, it sounds like it's just common sense. But when it comes to our little one, you know, we want to avoid insect bites and stings as much as we possibly can. And we want to know exactly what to do if they get one, how to take ticks out, etc., and what to watch for, for like a severe allergic reaction or possible skin infection or illness, as I mentioned. But if you follow these really easy tips... I guarantee you're going to enjoy the rest of your summer with your children outside. Tick, insect bites, and bee stings free. Thanks for listening, and I hope you will continue to follow me wherever you follow your shows, and let's grow up together.